That's an exciting thing to know that we have an invitation and the, the opportunity through our Lord Jesus Christ to uh, obtain and experience such a life that that's going to be. I'm so glad for that in this house tonight. I'm glad I've had a taste to sit and an opportunity to sit in heavenly places and to know for myself that there is a heaven waiting on us. Amen. Such as we had this morning and back here tonight, the hand of the love of God. So good to see each one of you. I know it's been a busy week, but it's good to see each one of you. You're doing so well, looking so good. Amen. Little work didn't kill any of us. We thought it was. Amen. I noticed a few of us, amen, this week coming in and kind of, you know, <laughs> praise God. And now it's understandable. Hallelujah. But uh, God's kept us. He's brought us here tonight. You know what? He's going to bless us. I'm thankful for Brother Sanford to come when he preached to us and ministered to us what God's put in his heart and mind and spirit. To appreciate these good singers, Brother Barry, and all that's taking place. And we believe something's great going to happen in the house tonight. And I want to be a part of it. How about you? I didn't come to be a spectator. I come to be involved in it. Amen. And see the hand of God and the glory of God to fall in this house. Brother Sancho, you know, is not a stranger to this pulpit. Only come, whatever God's put in his heart and spirit, preach to us. Let's give him a good Bendale welcome to this pulpit tonight. God bless you, Brother Sancho. Now let's do that to the Lord, shall we? On this Sunday evening, let's go ahead and give him a praise. Anybody want to offer a personal hallelujah? The highest form of praise. We talk about a touch of heaven on earth. I think heaven would like a touch of earth ascending toward heaven. Somebody's sending a witness, a word that all is well on planet earth. Amen. As I begin to prepare for this service, I begin to search and Seek after God, and, and for some reason, I just almost preached about wind. Then I thought better of it. For some reason, then I thought about, well, what about the wind is blowing again? And I said, no, that won't work either. I'm just having a little fun. Sister Moore said I should have been a comedian. I don't know if she's taking pop shots at my messages or my ability to preach or not ability. Kind of mix a little humor and comedy. With, and you're going to wish tonight was one of those nights, but it's not. And uh, I'm always, my mother-in-law used to say, the only time I ever take you serious is in the pulpit. Because you, you're full of folly and you're cut up. Well, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. A few apostolics I'd like to force feed. Give a double portion of joy. But Paul said rejoice. You ever notice that re part means repeat. Have joy and then repeat the joy. Rejoice and then repeat the rejoicing. In fact some things are worth repeating. Some things are worth redoing. And he said rejoice in the Lord. Again I say rejoice. So there's a spirit of joy in the house. I know it's been a difficult time for you because of the weather and the hurricane. And, but I, I couldn't help but think today, especially, this, this is a church, and I know, this is a church that just in spite of adversity and difficulty, you stay the course. You stay focused. 
And that speaks of your walk with God, your devotion. And it's an honor. Thank you, Brother Moore, and, uh, for allowing me to come. I've been here a few times. Amen. It's always an honor to be here. I've been here several times. Never take it lightly. I know you have other ministers that come by and they bless. And I hope that I can be a blessing. In the book of Matthew 24, Matthew chapter 24, we'll begin with verse 1. Matthew chapter 24. And uh, I'll quickly get to the word of the Lord. I probably have further to go than any of you. I'm driving home tonight. That's a little over five, maybe five hours and 15, 20 minutes. And, uh, but I'm turning north and headed home. But I'm in no hurry right now. Matthew 24, verse 1. And Jesus went out and departed from the temple. His disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. Jesus said unto them, See, you're not all these things. Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he said upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and the end of the world? Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. For nations shall rise against nations, kingdoms against kingdoms. There shall be famines and pestilence, and earthquakes in divers places. And all these are the beginning of sorrows. In Revelation chapter 1, verses 1, 2, and 3, reads the revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he said and signified by his angel unto his servant John who bare record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ. Of all things that he saw, Blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein for the time is at hand. John said the time is at hand. Then in Matthew 24 verses 1 through 8, Jesus is describing the conditions that will be prevalent in the end time. In verse 6, Jesus said, but the end is not yet. Then in verse 8, he explains it this way. All these are the beginning of sorrows. In essence, Jesus was conveying to his disciples, when you see these things start happening, then know and understand it is the beginning of the end. In Lamentations 4 and 18, the prophet Ezekiel put the end time are the last days in perspective when he writes, For our end is near, our days fulfilled, for our end is come. Before you're seated, let me tell you, I am not a doomsday preacher. And this message is not a message of defeat and despair, gloom and doom. And yet I refuse to bury my head in the sand and live in denial. I choose to be cognizant of the time. That we are living in right now. So I feel compelled tonight to address the reality at hand. We are witnessing the beginning of the end. 
Jesus said, when you see all these things begin to develop and materialize, it's not the end, but he said it is the beginning of the end. I am convinced we are closer to the end than we are at the beginning. God bless you. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. It's interesting that in Genesis chapter 1, we're introduced to how the world began. Then you turn all the way over to the book of Revelation chapter 1, and we are introduced to how it's all going to end. In Genesis, we have the commencement of heaven and earth. But then in the book of Revelation, we have the culmination of heaven and earth. In Genesis, we have the entrance to sin. But in the book of Revelation, we have the end of sin. Then in Genesis, we have the dawn of Satan. But then in the book of Revelation, you'll find the doom of Satan. In fact, the first two chapters of Genesis, there is no devil. And the last two chapters of the book of Revelation, there is no devil. In Genesis, sorrow begins. But in Revelation, sorrow is forever banished. In the book of Genesis, death makes an appearance, an entrance. And yet, in the book of Revelation, death has to make an exit. What God started in time in the book of Genesis, God finishes in eternity in the book of Revelation. The word revelation means to reveal, to bring from hiding. It means to uncover or to make known. That's why in chapter 1 and verse 1 it reads, Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things that are written therein, for the time is at hand. Food for thought tonight. This generation, that means you and I. We are the people who now presently stand closer to the end than anyone and everyone who has ever lived since the beginning of the human race in the Garden of Eden. When the Lord breathed into Adam's nostrils the breath of life and he became a living soul. No one has ever been this close to the end as we are right now. Let me say that again. We are closer now than we have ever been before to the end. I do not believe the spirit of unbelief is running rampant in this house. While there may be a spirit of antichrist and a spirit of skepticism and a spirit of doubt and fear and unbelief that seems to be prevalent in our society, in the church of the living God, among the saints of God, there is an awareness that we are living in the season of His return. That what we're witnessing worldwide is not the end, but rather the beginning of the end. When we pause to consider the end time, one would have to be out of touch with reality. Not to believe that we are living in the last days of the grace dispensation. I am convinced we are closer to the end than we are the beginning. The prophet Joel declared, blow the trumpet in Zion. Zion is the church. The trumpet is preaching. It is the preacher that begins to sound the alarm. 
In fact, he said, blow the trumpet in Zion, sound an alarm in my holy mountain. He went on to write, let the inhabitants of the earth tremble, for the day of the Lord is at hand. And there are people that talk about the day of the Lord and the rapture. It doesn't matter where you put the coming of the Lord. I've come to preach to you tonight. We are witnessing the beginning of the end. The shadows are lengthening. The sun is setting. And the grace dispensation is coming to a close. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church tonight. So I've come to blow the trumpet in Zion. I've come to just stir up our pure minds by way of remembrance and bring us a little food for thought and remind us that we are living in the twilight hours, the days preceding the coming of Jesus Christ. It is not a myth. It is not a fairy tale. It's not make-believe. It is the cold, hard facts that speak for themselves. We are living in the season of His return. And when we consider the signs of the time, meaning present conditions in America and also abroad, the fulfillment of biblical prophecies, I am convinced that we are witnessing the beginning of the end of the grace dispensation. We are watching the end time play out right before our eyes. Is there anyone here tonight that would dispute that? who would contest that statement, who would say, I I, I think you're overreacting, you're jumping the gun. We've heard all of this before. But I got news for you. We are closer now than when you heard it the last time. We're closer now than we were this morning. You're closer now than you were a few moments ago. The clock, that prophetic clock is ticking. And I've got news for you. The hour is drawing late. And we don't need to lay back on our spiritual laurels and suffer from a false sense of security that says we've heard this all of our life and nothing has changed. Where have you been the last few years? There are radical changes at place all around us. I'm not out of touch with reality. I'm telling you, it is time to open our eyes to see where we are in regard to the coming of Jesus Christ. The world and life as we know it. On God's timetable, the human race, I am convinced, is rushing toward a deadline. A sobering reality is the countdown has already begun to the end of the age. Since the beginning of time, the moments have been quickly ticking away, rushing the human race toward, I believe, the ultimate conclusion of God's foreordained plan. We've learned how to shout to faith messages and victory messages and Holy Ghost messages. But could it be tonight that the Holy Ghost has orchestrated and set this service up for somebody to make all things right, for somebody to make about face, for somebody to repent? We don't hear a lot of preaching about repentance. We want revival. We want miracles. We want the shout. We want the joy. But could it be that where we need to go tonight in this message at the conclusion of this presentation of this sermon is a place on our face and on our knees crying out to God do not let me sleep the sleep of death don't let me be numbered among the five foolish who went to sleep 
side by side with the wife. And here's the alarming reality of that parable. There were ten virgins, but according to Jesus, they all slumbered and they all slept. I'm not here to insult anybody's spiritual intelligence or spirituality, but I've come to tell you even at best, sometimes we find ourselves aloof and we find ourselves sleepy and we find ourselves slumbering and cumbered about with much serving and we become distracted along the way but there needs to be a cry made here tonight in this house behold the bridegroom cometh go ye out to meet him that means make preparations for his appearing it was the apostle Peter who said the end of all things is drawing near another translation the end of the world is coming soon in the original Greek for the end of all things has drawn near Peter was saying that we all are living on the brink of eternity we're all living on the brink of another world the edge of eternity so the end of all things really does draw near in fact, just recently in Chicago, the doomsday clock was moved even closer to midnight. From three minutes to midnight, it now reads 100 seconds to midnight. It's apparent that even the secular world can sense and feel that something is about to happen. Even the world seemingly can discern the signs of the time and sense that something catastrophic is getting ready to happen with the present COVID-19 pandemic. And with social unrest at an all-time high, with corruption and cover-up in high places seemingly becoming the norm, corruption at the highest level of government, it's a sad day. I'll just go ahead and tell you, it's a travesty to say the least. But I will not crawl in a corner somewhere and bury my head and suck my thumb and feel like our best days are behind us. My Bible says in these last hours, they which do know their God will be strong and do exploits. I've come to tell you in the midst of the murk and the mire and the corruption that's all around us, God's people is about to step forth out of the fray, out of the darkness, and we're going to shine bright than we have ever shown before this is our greatest hour it may be the beginning of the end but it is not over oh let's give him praise right now our world is tensed with a feeling of uncertainty yes insecurity our world tonight is in a crisis mode. A society that now finds itself in uncharted waters. Unprecedented times to say the least. Let's be honest, our world and especially America is in an upheaval. It appears to be on a collision course with disaster. At the risk tonight of sounding like a fatalist. I feel that I must remind us we are witnessing, yes, the beginning of the end. Jesus put the end time in perspective when he said, It is near. It is right at the door. He said to his disciples prophetically, There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. 
Jesus was speaking of the future destruction of the temple in Jerusalem in Matthew 24. I believe it was Jesus with his disciples. They leave the city together. Together they cross the brook Kidron, slowly begin to climb the Mount of Olives. As they reach a turn in the road, I believe the temple site came into view. And it was then and there that Jesus began to share with his disciples these gut-wrenching, horrendous events that will precede the coming of the Lord. Jesus said, when you begin to see them, then know that it'll never be the same. Life as you know it will never revert back to the way that it used to be. He went on to say there will be wars and rumors of wars, famines, pestilence, earthquakes in diverse places. I know the elephant in the room. I know what you're thinking. There's been wars and rumors of wars for years. There's been earthquakes. There's been natural catastrophes, disasters for a long, long time. It's nothing new. But here, the evangelist tonight, I am convinced as we draw nearer to the end, these events that he talked about, wars and rumors of wars, earthquakes and pestilence in divers places, I am convinced they will become more frequent and more intense and Jesus said when you begin to see all these things know that it is just the beginning of sorrows it is not the end it is just the beginning of the end the countdown to the end of the age Jesus put it like this all these things you can live in denial you can look the other way you can pretend That it's not as severe as it is. You can just have all type of optimism. Be running over with optimism. Running over with faith and confidence. Oh, it's all going to be all right. But I got news for you. That's not what Jesus said. There is a deadline. There is a finish line. We want... That space of grace to continue. It was prophesied four years ago by one of our ministers uh, that God was going to put a man in the White House and he was going to give America a space for grace that he was going to give America time to repent. I don't know if that time, that space of grace has come and gone. But I do know this. Jesus said all these things must come to pass meaning they will come to pass but the end is not yet as confused and shocked and upset and disappointed as most of us are I got news for you the end is not yet Because the bottom line, and I'm not taking the easy way out the bottom line, it doesn't matter who's in the White House God is sovereign and he still rules supremely over human affairs. If you believe that, you ought to give him praise. While we can see ominous storm clouds coming our way. While we're living in a day that most of us never thought possible. With all of the fraud and all of the corruption. I got news for you. My God has not changed. Now the world has. World-renowned analysts put it like this. 
The world situation is not dire and the world situation is not even threatening. He said the world situation is catastrophic. That word catastrophic just simply means disaster. Anybody here care? To dispute that, that our worlds can, and America. See, we need to be reminded of a verse that we don't like to point to. Every nation that forgets God. And we call America a godly nation. No. When you've got people in control that's for killing the innocent unborn. That's just one thing. I got, I'm in the Holy Ghost right now. I'm in the Word, but I feel the Holy Ghost coming upon me. There's going to be some people in high places that will topple, that will fall, that will be exposed. See, it frustrates us because the evidence of this, this, and this is presented and nothing is done. But I'm telling you, I know eventually in eternity they're going to meet their reward. But I got news for you. Some of them, the rug is about to be jerked out from under them. And there's going to be humiliation. And there's going to be in in the Holy Ghost. It's going to happen. I don't know who's going to sit in the White House. But I know who sits on the circle of the earth. Heaven is his throne. The earth is his footstool. And this thing is not done in a corner. There's about to be light exposed in dark places. felt it come upon me in the name of the Lord even so Jesus let it be so disaster moral climate in America it's changed hello no doubt about the decayance of this nation in fact we're witnessing a decay of morality like never before Winston Churchill many 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 years ago in fact, in the 40s, before I discovered America, I'm getting old, but I'm not that old. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Winston Churchill said, man has improved himself in every way except morally. Well, I, oh, if old Winston, he could wake up today. He wouldn't recognize America, the world. It was bad then, but it's only worse now. It's like, you know, throw a frog in boiling water, he'll jump out just... Put him in some cold water, turn the heat up real slow, and just cook him real slow. He'll just sit there and adapt, become acclimated to his surroundings, and he will absolutely boil to death. That's the problem in the church and the problem in America. We have become accustomed. We have become desensitized to the evil, the immorality, the lukewarmness, the compromise that wants to come in. Can I tell you a spiritual wall not only keeps stuff out, it keeps stuff in. I'm not politicizing this message, but in the Holy Ghost, I believe we need a wall. Because it keeps some stuff out that we don't need. And it keeps in what we do need. He's improved himself every way except morally. Someone of renown put it this way, and I quote, There is something in the air of the modern world 
a defiance of authority, a contagious irresponsibility, a moral delinquency that's no longer retained by religious or even ethical faith. Isaiah put it like this. The whole head is sick and the heart, I mean, he cuts to the chase. He doesn't sugarcoat it. He's not trying to be politically correct to the audience. He said, let me tell you the problem. The whole head is sick and the heart is faint. America and this world is in a free fall. I didn't expect a whole lot of response. Because every one of us want a tomorrow. We want a future for our children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. Amen. But I got news for you. If I understand anything about this, oh, I heard that 30 years ago. I'll remind you, you're closer to the end than you are. The, I'll even go further than that. Some of us, most of us are closer to the end of our lives than we started with. Amen. There's people in this house that won't be here when this comes down. The end. You say, well, you just cast a dark shadow over my victory and my shout and my joy. No, it's just the reality of life. Some of you are on borrowed time. And God is merciful. And I'm not just talking about the older folks. I'm talking about some young people and some teenagers that Satan wanted to take you out when you were not ready. And some are not ready tonight. But I got news for you. The hand of the Lord keeps back the enemy from moving in for the kill. Because somewhere, it may not be Sanford preaching. It may be your pastor. It may be Brother Barry. It may be my son. It may be Brother uh, McCool. It may be some other preacher. But I got news for you. Somebody is going to be in this pulpit preaching. And something's going to get a hold of you. And you're going to make everything right. Because you understand. Stand that we are facing the end. Here's what Paul said. The mystery of iniquity doth already work. In other words, the secret powers of lawlessness or the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Are we not witnessing just that? Arrogant displays of lawlessness in many of our major cities and chaos, destruction, immorality, ungodliness everywhere in society. Somebody said, Well, it's never getting rough. The half ain't even been told. I'm not even, it's not even the tip of the iceberg. The cornerstones of American society right now are being threatened. It's a day when evil is called good and good is called evil. But did he not say there would come a day when men would not be able to discern their right hand from the... It's frustrating trying to win people today. Especially people that's got an apostolic background. Because when they walk away from God, suddenly they take on a different spirit and a different personality. And now everything that used to be clear now becomes blurred. And everything now is turned upside down. And, and they want to believe the right is wrong and the wrong is right. But I got news for you. That's where we are as a society today. Jesus said, when you begin to see these things, then look up. Lift up your head. What are we to do? Run for the hills? Bury our head? Have a nervous breakdown? No. He said it's time to get an upward gaze. Lift up your head. Open your eyes because your redemption is drawing near. What is he saying? He's saying to us it's just about over. And I know there's a spirit of unbelief in our world that would say, you know, the church 
And maybe even some in the church would say, you know, you're pushing the panic button. You're overreacting. And there are even some people associated with churches, apostolic churches, that may be battling a false sense of security. And even Jesus recognized, however, that all things run its course. And all things come to an end. Jesus understood that. That's why I hear the Lord saying, I must work while it's day. For the night is coming when no man can work. That day is fast approaching. Even the Son of Man with beads of perspiration on his brow with sweaty palms. Palpitations of the heart. Maybe he looked at those disciples and he said, it's necessary. There's an urgency about this day. He said, I must. He didn't use that word must often. Must is an imperative. And he said, it's imperative. I've got to do this. I must work while it's day. The same word that he used when talking about the new birth. Emphasizing the point that one must be born again of the water and the spirit. Marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. And on another occasion, he said, I must be about my father's business. And to those disciples that day, he said, I must work while it is day. Jesus knew that he himself was facing a deadline. That there would come a day. That's why he looked at his disciples and said, I'm with you now. But there's coming a day I will no longer be with you. The night of the end of the age is drawing near. As the birds that are taken in a snare, so are the sons of men snared in an evil time when it falls suddenly upon them. It was true of that self-centered farmer in Luke chapter 12. And I've said it here before, but God's not against success. He's not against expansion. He's not against enterprise and capitalism. He's not against you being happy. He's not against you having materialism. And possessions as long as it doesn't have you. See there's a big difference in you having something and it having you. And for this man the reason that night he had no way of knowing that while he's preparing and planning to tear down these barns and expand his business. Very successful man of agriculture and yet. While he's making all of his plans, the undertaker's building his casket. He has no way of knowing that that night will mark the conclusion of his earthly life. That's Why did the Lord say, thou fool? Didn't call him a fool because he was successful. Because he had great substance. Because he was wealthy. I'm sure that every bank in that community sought after his accounts. He was probably a model citizen of that community. He probably would even be considered a great Christian today in some places. Why? Because if he did go to church, he probably supported the church and, and, and some preachers are bought. And they never ruffle the feathers and they know just how to rub right, not to upset the big tithe. That ain't, where is that in here? That is not in, No, it's not in there. See, I can be, I, I'd speak it if it was the truth anyway, but that, that, that's not a problem around here. Because he's going to tell you what's right if you pay tithes or not. Amen? If you support the kingdom or not. 
But, but this man was not labeled a fool. Here's the reason. And you know why he was labeled a fool. Because in all of his conversation. See, you just stop and listen to somebody. And you'll learn something about them. You'll learn what makes them tick. You'll find out where their heart is. Their treasure. And he says, here's what I'll do. It's all about me, myself, and I. He took all the credit for his success. And that, here's the reason he's called a fool. Because there's no place in his conversation, in his dialogue, that he mentions the Lord. And honey, when you omit God, we're fools. If we're too busy for God, we're fools. If we don't give God the credit where credit is due, we are foolish people. That's why he's called a fool. Because he did not recognize that time was of the essence. That it doesn't matter how rich. It doesn't matter how seemingly in the present. You've got all your faculties and your health. It can change overnight. Somebody said, oh, Trump will probably run again in four years. I said, he's 74 years old. And when you get, it can change any time. But when you reach a certain age, things start turning downhill. And, and, and the thing about it, mentally, he can have his faculties, which he does right now. Who's to say six months, a year from now, two years from now? I'm telling you right now, you're not promised tomorrow. And this man thought he had all the time he needed. And there's nothing wrong. Give credit where credit's due. He plans. Strategizes. I mean, he was the successful farmer who failed. This is a classic example when success becomes failure. It's when you omit God. And you take all the credit. It doesn't matter. You may be young, but you could have an aneurysm. You may have your right mind now, and three months from now, you don't even know where you are. You may be in Louisiana and think you're in Arizona. It happens to people, and I don't want it to happen to anybody. But I'm telling you, life is fragile. And it's amazing to me. We live, and I've got to quit here just in a minute. We live in the most, in a day, we have the most elaborate timekeeping devices that any generation has ever had. Devices that tell us what time it is. From sophisticated watches to iPhones to computers, even the old flat-fashioned clock. We're a generation that's ruled by time. If you don't think that's true, some of you are thinking, hurry up. Did he say he was about to close? No, I think you misunderstood him, not him. He's got at least 30 more minutes. I know him. You just think you do. We're, we're governed, we're ruled, controlled by time. Anybody ever set an alarm clock? Hello? I can set that alarm clock, and nine times out of ten, I wake up before the alarm clock wakes up. Just something psychologically, I don't know. I know i got to get up at a certain time, and, and I'll wake up an hour before that thing goes off, and I lay there, and I can't go back to sleep, so I decide to get up. And then I'll forget about the alarm clock, and I'll hear it in there an hour and a half, like, ah, 
I said, you got to get up early to beat me. <laughs> Hello, I'm ahead of the game. But there have moments when I'm out of it and it wakes me up. We're controlled by time. Allow this little message tonight to do something to you and for you and stir you and awaken an emotion within you, a spirit within you that says, you know what? There's still a few areas in my life that I need to make right. With all of the timekeeping devices that we have, and yet... This generation, there's never been a generation in the dark more than this generation when it comes to what's truly relevant, time, the end time. What time is it in regard to the coming of the Lord? Paul said in knowing the time, it's high time or past time that we awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer. Than when we first believe. Another translation says. And now the coming of the Lord is sooner. Than when we first believe. Somebody said. I think I've maybe heard something like this before. And I'm not trying to justify it. But I, I heard these same songs before. You know you got scorekeepers in every church. Yeah he, he made that statement last year. I wrote it down. He read from that scripture last. I think he might have given the same sermon title. Hello? They don't know their name, but they can tell you what you preached. We may be all here. Or we're all, somebody said they were all there, but I don't know how many was all here. Or vice versa. But, but my point is this. Let something be said tonight. That will create a desire. Because we need to know. What if it is 10 years? 20 years? 30 years? See that's the amount of religion that some people have. That's all they've got. As long as they can escape hell. As long as they can just be saved. They have no interest in knowing him. In walking with him. To having a relationship with him. If I can just be saved. Good enough. Honey with that attitude. I don't like your chances. There's got to be a desire. As David said. As the heart panteth after the water brook. So panteth my heart after thee. Paul. The reason he was unshakable. Invincible and unmovable. Is because he settled it. He said that I may know him not only in the power of his resurrection. But in the fellowship of his suffering. He said I want to really know him. And if we really get to know him, nothing will shake us and we'll be prepared for when the end does come. Are we not children of the light that that day should not overtake us? We're facing a deadline. How close are we? Jeremiah said, our days or our end is near and our days fulfilled for the end is come. The climax of human history, as the musicians come, is fastly approaching. Every sign, I believe, points to the soon imminent return of Jesus Christ. There is irrefutable proof that we are living in those last days. 
the Bible talks about. Amen. We are in a present crisis in America and also the world. Think about it. The final chapters are being written right before our eyes of all that's happened just in 2020. The pandemic, civil unrest, riots, corruption, fraud. The Lord, some years ago, gave me a vision of a beautiful sunset. In the distance, I watched the sun setting. It was surrounded by variation of beautiful, majestic colors. And it was so breathtaking. I just stood there in awe, just soaking it up, taking it all in. I was just absolutely astounded by its beauty. But then the Lord spoke to me. And he said, the sun is setting on the grace dispensation. And that's been some years ago. And you know what? We're closer now to the end. We're closer now to the sunset than when I witnessed it some years ago. Are we not living in these last days that Jesus talked about? That's why the cry was made, behold. That word behold means an announcement is going forth. I've just come to announce. He that shall come will come. And he will not tarry. Stand with me tonight. I do not know when he's coming. I don't have to know. And we do not know. How many remember 1988? That fellow that published a book, 88 Reasons Why the Lord Will Return in 1988. That's hard to believe. That's been 32 years ago. And there were some people that got upset, stirred up, even in the church. I remember when I heard about it and I read some of the, the book and, and it even got a hold of me a little bit. Provoked me to thought and searched my heart. because I, I didn't really believe he was right on the date because nobody knows the day and the day. But he didn't say you couldn't know the time or the season. Because you see, since the beginning of the early church, Historically, there have been hundreds, if not thousands, of date setters. But all date setting schemes historically have proven to be false prophecies. Because you know what? Date setters are usually upsetters. You turn a preacher off just like that if he gets up here and says, November the 20th. Get ready, it's going to happen. We out of here. December the 3rd. Don't invite him back. He's a false prophet because nobody knows. And yet our actions and demeanor, response or lack thereof many times says the same thing. When a preacher preaches, the Lord is coming soon. And we are witnessing the beginning of the end. We may not voice it. But sometimes the way people chooses to walk away from it and then live. 
It speaks volumes. That preacher doesn't know what he's talking about. He means well. God bless him. But he's wrong. I'm not wrong when I tell you. You're not wrong believing the Lord is coming soon. There's people in here that don't want him to come soon. Delay your coming. I've got mixed emotions. I've got lost loved ones just like you. And, and somebody wrote a song. They must have had a lost loved one. Wait a little longer, sweet Jesus. Just a few more days to get our loved ones in. In our humanity, we're flesh. That's our attitude. That's our cry. Just hold off a little bit longer. And having said that, I close with this. I'm convinced that some will come, some will hear, and some will be saved. They don't even know it right now, but it's already a done deal. They have no idea. They're looking in one direction, but in the coming days and weeks and months, there's going to be an about face, and they're going to be looking in another direction. Because the spirit of this age, while it is real and there's no denying it, there is also an urgency that is coming to the church, an awareness, a revelation that this thing is winding down. Can you lift your hands right now over this building? Speak to us tonight. The beginning. You know, I'm not going to spiritualize everything, but, but in the natural, you know, most people that have a sickness, there are symptoms that advertise that sickness, that reveals to them that sickness. And, and a lot of times, something that ultimately becomes fatal, it starts with a discomfort. It starts with a pain in your body. It's, it's telling you something's awry. Something's not right. I, I'm hurting too much lately. I, I, I'm having this problem and, and it won't seemingly go away. It's, it's, it's your body telling you there's something going on. And in the spirit, there ought to be a sensitivity that says, Oh, I, I, I just, I, I just, some of these things that were priority, I, I'm just going to lay them aside because there, there's some things that, that's of a greater urgency and a priority because something is telling me it's just about over. As they begin to sing, I'm opening this altar to Bendale tonight, to New Life, to this church. Anybody that wants to come pray, search your heart. Every service is different. Every message is different. Don't be overcharged with surfeiting, drunkenness, and the cares of this life. That that day will catch you unprepared. Oh, yeah. Your soul's salvation and keep your eyes upon those eastern skies. Sweet old clouds, they're the ones 
Yeah. 
moment sometimes can be in our own personal lives you listen to Jesus Christ the apostles and all the preachers even since then this message that we heard again tonight the Lord's coming huh. ready or not it's coming let me ask you something a week ago Wednesday night, if you knew exactly what was coming, would you have done different than what you've done? Would you have made some different arrangements if you knew the storm was going to have the packing winds that it had? See, that's what this is all about. Because when that moment comes, there will be no time. It'll be just like in that storm. Adam talked about a couple of guys. Apparently, a man and a lady was trying to get somewhere in that storm. He got caught on Bud Moody Hill. A tree had fell in front of them. Before they could back up and move, one fell in behind them. Another truck pulls in behind them and says, Hey, get in with us and we'll go here and try to get some safety. And I'm not sure what truck and just how it all unfolded, but before they could do that, another tree hit that truck. Before they could get moved from there, another tree come down and brushed that lady. Lamb of it brushed her face. Just that close to death. So, you know, there's a reason why we've heard this all of our life. There's a reason for it. Because he wants us to be ready. Because Jesus didn't leave the message of how horrible hell was going to be. I told somebody in the just last week or two. I said, really think about it. Jesus said, if your hand offended, you're better off to cut it off. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine taking a saw? You've heard the true stories, at least some of you have, about the young lady that was caught in the automobile and it was on fire. A couple of big men run up there and tried to get her out. And she told them, hey, cut, cut them off. My feet, she was caught. They grabbed the saw. There was a saw in behind the seat. They grabbed it and went to try and they couldn't do it. But before it was over with, she did. It got the hands, it got that saw in her hands. She cut it. So there's a reason for these messages to stir us, to help us to sometimes in the world that we're living in. Because it's so easy in the world we're living in today with the pitfalls and, and all that goes on. We forget to trim our own wicks. We forget to look at our own globes and make sure that we didn't let them get smutted up and with the life and the pitfalls and Things that comes and goes in life. So God brings these messages back to us to help us 
that really the only thing that's going to matter is hearing him say, well done, that good and faithful servant. Regardless of how successful, unsuccessful we've been in this life, all that's going to matter, and you and I know that as believers in this house tonight. We know that. Let's do what we can with the time we've got left to persuade others. Appreciate what Brother Sanford said. We're not going to crawl up in a cave somewhere. <laughs> Amen. If anybody, if anybody's going to, we're going to let our light shine. This is a time to light the candles and stick them out there. It's a time to let the church be as a city that sit on the hill that cannot hide her light. Huh. Praise God. Love you tonight. Appreciate you. You may be seated. Thank you, Brother Sanford, for the word tonight. Stir us up. Wake us up. Help us, hallelujah, to, you know, to, to make our calling and election sure. Stir up the pure minds. There's a reason why Peter said that. Stir up the pure minds. Amen. Keep us, keep us, keep us focused. Keep us connected. Amen. To, to what's important in serving God and living for the Lord. And if you don't have the Holy Ghost in this house, you need to be seeking it. You need to pursue it. You've heard enough messages. You felt enough this morning. Man, if you didn't have the Holy Ghost that's in this house this morning, it'll cause you to pursue it. it, it, it the real, realization of, hey, I, don't, I, want, I want more of that. I want more of it. How about you? I'm glad we're not limited just to the house of God. We get drunk and get beside ourselves and speak in tongues and have church at church. We can have it at the house. Driving down the road. I mean, and sometimes it just, man, it can just show up, seem like out of nowhere. That's living for God and comfort and assurance of that. Praise God. All right. Anniversaries. Any anniversaries? Well, I messed you up. I didn't do birthdays first. I'm sorry. Anniversaries. No anniversaries, I think Tony and Brooke came here. <laughs> birthdays, 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 birthdays. Okay. You want to sing to him anyway? Anyone else? Connor's only one had one. That's right. Thank the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Thank God for the good reports. All right. No anniversaries. Birthday. The birthday fellow has stepped out. So, you know what? We're going to remember and get him Wednesday night. Brooke, I hear. Can't sing that loud for sure. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. All right. Well, let's stand together. Love you. Appreciate you. Continue to pray for one another. Sister Mallory.
okay? All the parents want your children in the Christmas program, uh, meet with Sister Mallory in the fellowship hall. Knives, let's not forget about the knives, the money for the knives. Give to Brother Heath, Sister Judy tonight. You got it, okay? Anything else? All right, God bless you, appreciate you.